takes it in the back of the end zone. He'll run it after the 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, 45. There goes Davis. Oh, my God. Davis is going to run it all the way back. Auburn's going to win the football game. Auburn's going to win the football game. Going to the right. Boise State for the win. They hand it off to Johnson. Boise State has won the Tostitos Fiesta Bowl. Let's go. Good snap. Good hold. And the kick is blocked. Appalachian State has stunned the college football world. One of the greatest upsets in sports history. What's up, college football fans? Welcome back to an all-new episode of the Cover 2 College Football Podcast. I'm your host, Tim Smithson, joined, as always, by my co-host, the Oki Longhorn himself, Dalt. As usual, first and foremost, how are we doing tonight, buddy? We're doing. I'm doing well, man. We are. Uh, we're getting into the home stretch. A um, lot of a lot of really bad stuff going around. A lot of a lot of injury prone stuff. A lot of a lot of really sleepwalking games kind of happened this weekend for a lot of teams. Some right. teams got caught with it. Some teams got away. So I mean, uh, that's just college football, man. We're uh, we're we're we get to talk about maybe one of the most poetically frustrating and beautiful things at the same time yeah i mean you know you talk about teams sleepwalking and uh, you know i think you get to this point in the season Dalt, and you're, you're just happy if your team they just they just find a way to win and you know maybe we both feel that way after this week because our team they they both played a uh what we would consider a significantly lesser opponent and neither neither did i, I don't think either of those games went exactly how uh me or you would have liked um your longhorns obviously got out to that big lead and, you know houston storm back uh obviously my my sooners they i thought we they I, looked like I, yeah it was bad in norman very very bad performance um just all around but yeah we've got uh quite a bit of stuff to talk about tonight Dalt. we're obviously going to get into our uh i guess what is it week eight recap and then we'll give our you know our week nine preview and picks um Neither one of us had a – we did not have a very good uh, week eight on our picks. All. Both went two and four. Uh, we'll obviously get into that. But, you know, I I just I, – I don't think – I can't win with these picks, Dalt. I, I, I don't know what to think about it. But I, I used to be really solid at them. I don't think I've went over 500 in like three weeks. Right. Um, so I think it would be remiss. We would probably be burying the lead here, Dalt, if we did not just get right into some of this Michigan stuff. And now I will say just a quick disclosure. Um, yeah, as you're, as you're giving me the hand signals across the, across the stream here. I just wanted, I um, want to see, I want to see if you were an informant for Jim Harbaugh. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, you I picked I, up I any it, of my signs there. Yeah. So I, I had put out on the uh, Twitter page that we uh, had a guest coming this week um, that had some intel on that situation. Uh, I Sadly, we, we do not have our guest. Uh, he is currently in the process of bringing his first child, well, helping bring his first child into the world. So uh, hoping to get him on next week, but, you know, we're not, 
we're not going to dive as much into that Michigan stuff as we um, kind of planned because uh, uh, there's just a lot of the stories already being told right in front of us, Dalt. But, I mean, Pete Thamel puts out today the story, um, the Stallions kid has bought all these tickets, has went to the game. There's rumors that people have been paid to video games, video uh, sidelines. So, I mean, this all seems like it. it is kind of, uh, you know, you talk about throwing crap to the wall and seeing if it sticks, Dalt. Kind of, kind of sticking to the wall. I think a little bit. We're we're, we're kind of seeing some some real stuff come out of this. What do you what do you think? What do you make of this? Well, how for, how fortunate for uh, Coach Harbaugh that he has a perfect scapegoat that has been handling all of this uh, little sting operation. You would call it. Um, <laughs> he's going to come out unscathed. Like they're gonna. They're not going to be does. able to put any. They're not going to be able to put anything on him that sticks. If they do, he's liable to be coaching the Bears next year or the Vikings. Who knows? Um, but uh, it's just it's very fortunate for him that this what Stallion Stallion Stallions. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't know how to st- pronounce his name, but. It's like stallions, but without one of the L's. So I'm going to assume it's stallions, but I, I could be wrong. I, kind yeah, of so he he's going to get crucified for this. He'll uh, he'll oh, never get gonna... a he'll never get a coaching job, an analyst job, nothing for the rest of his life. But he's probably going to get floated some cash from some Michigan donors here and there that uh, that just they get to take this under the radar and like, hey, thanks for. Thanks for biting the bullet. Thanks for not getting any of our wins vacated. Now go coach high school for Pop Warner football. Yeah, I mean, you know, you you look at this this Pete Thamel article and, you know, it says purchase tickets in his own name for more than 30 games over the past three years at 11 different Big Ten schools, sources at 11 different league schools told ESPN. Now, again, this is all kind of still alleged, um, but it appears there's a pretty significant paper trail, again, according to this article. So, I mean, I, I'm not sure what's going to come of this. You're you're probably spot on, the, the kid himself who you know, basically probably just trying to make some money and pay rent and, you know, what anybody would do in the situation, you know, to a, to a degree. Um, he's probably going to get buried underneath the jail uh, as far as this goes. And Jim Harbaugh will come out, you know, scotch-free. And, and Michigan, I'm sure they won't get in any trouble by the NCAA because that's what the NCAA does. They penalize people that really don't deserve it. And then the people that do deserve it, they don't get penalized because the NCAA pretty well consistently at all times gets it wrong 99.9% of the time. So I'm sure that will just magically happen again here. But yeah, I mean, we, we would be remiss having a college football podcast all if we did not touch on this because right now it is probably the biggest off the field story in the store without question. Oh yeah. I was, uh, I was really disappointed when Pete Thamel, got that information out wherever he got it from whenever this news broke. Cause I was really thinking that, Hey, it might take these guys a week to get this information and me and you are right. going to get to break this and potentially get Harbaugh fired or get our houses 
sued away from us for defamation of character. <laughs> so I was, right. I was kind of excited, yeah. like maybe we're going to get to take off on this now. But uh, no, it's well, just that... it's a it's it's a crapshoot. It's what it is, and like exactly like you said, Michigan's going to get unscathed. Uh, Harbaugh might get another four game suspension for their four games next year when I think they play Massachusetts, UConn, yeah, right. uh, Northern Michigan School for the Blind, and then the all girls <laughs> school down there in Southern Michigan. So, so it's yeah, it's really going to hurt them next year, I'm sure. And again, you know, you talk about the the intel that me and you had as as crazy as it is to think about two guys from Oklahoma that have literally zero any kind of attachment to the University of Michigan football program. But I, I will just tell our listeners, like, what we had was legitimate. And I, it was it had gotten to the point that if we came on here and kind of told some of what we were going to talk about, like, I thought about, like, seeking, like, legit legal advice for the podcast because of this being a, like, legit investigation by the NCAA. Um, but again, it's all kind of water under the bridge, uh, ultimately. But yeah, I, I think Michigan, if this is all true, I, I've heard people argue, Dalt, that like, you know, oh, it's part of the game. You steal signs and this and that. It's like, yeah, that's part of the game during the game. You don't send guys to yeah, you, you pick other up stadiums during the game. Yeah. and videotape the sidelines and then dissect it in the film room. And say, okay, this is exactly like like that is one hundred percent cheating, and they should be punished. Absolutely, should be punished. But I don't want to beat this thing to death, Dalt. Uh, we we'll we'll kind of move on. Uh, Michigan, whatever. Uh, if there was ever one thing, and you, you may never hear me ever say this again, if there was ever one thing that I agreed with a guy like Brandon Walker on, it's his um his take on Michigan right now, and the fact that they have literally played nobody, and Again, that's irrelevant. We're we're going to see how good Michigan is in the coming weeks. They've got Penn State, they've got Ohio State, and and we'll see kind of where where this goes from here as far as what kind of trouble they might get in. Dalt, but uh, the other bit of news is uh, a little bit close to home for you. Um, your uh, Texas Longhorn quarterback Quinn Ewers. A little bit. Um, yeah. Well, it's yeah. Right. Yeah. Very close. Uh, Texas quarterback Quinn Ewers. Uh, it was announced uh, what yesterday, I believe, Sunday afternoon. Um, he's going to be out what three to four weeks, Dalt, with a grade two AC joint sprain. Is that correct? Am I saying that correctly? Is that the actual yes. diagnosis? Yeah, it's the AC okay. joint. Yes, that that's uh, it is the same injury that he had last year during the Alabama game. I was mistaken. Whenever we talked about it in the group chat, it is not the same shoulder. It is this time his throwing shoulder, not his left shoulder. So. Sark says he's week to week. Um, I think that probably means the three week span. Um, Sark says him being in the best shape of his life might help bring that down to maybe two weeks. That I mean, I think if you can get him back at three for Texas before you make that trip to Ames, that's yeah. best case scenario because. You're not going to get him back next week for Kansas State, but that's at home. What Kansas State does does play a lot into what Texas is good at. Um, so to say that, oh, we don't need Quinn to beat Kansas State, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that the Kansas State game is a lot more favorable than going up to Ames and having to 
dissect the right. three three five with either a true freshman quarterback or a redshirt quarterback, a redshirt freshman in Malik. But uh, it's going to be an interesting uh, this whole debate about who's going to start next year. We get to see that fold out unfold in the middle of the season. So, yeah, yeah, lucky you know, us. I, right. I saw uh, Sark. I guess he had a press conference today, and he said both both are taking first team snaps. And if there was a game tomorrow, Malik would be starting. Um, obviously, you know, you you look at Texas's schedule, and I, I do think I agree with you. You know, they got you got BYU at home, and then you do get Kansas State, who I think is playing a little better than they were week two, three, or four. But you get them at home as well. Um, I, I think Texas has handled Kansas State in the past i mean y'all have beat them what like eight straight times um yeah they haven't so then, beat us since charlie strong i believe and then and then you go to tcu the week before iowa state who i think tcu's one of the two or three worst teams in this conference right now um so you know the, the schedule it, it's okay I, I do think byu and kansas state are, are solid teams and obviously you want quinn like sure um but i, I think you guys should survive without him going into that iowa state game um, so it's obviously huge news, uh, for Texas and, you know, what you guys, everything with, with everything still in front of you, you obviously hate to see. And I mean, even me as a college football fan, like even though Texas is Oklahoma's bitter rival, I don't, I don't ever want to see a guy go down and it, you know, cost a team, you know, whatever, whatever it may cost them. Um, but I think Texas is going to be okay. Now I do, I do agree the, uh, the Malik versus Arch, it, it could get interesting. Uh, what what if Malik goes out there, BYU, you guys kind of struggle. Is everybody going to start calling for Arch? Like, how's oh, how's that 100%. all going to go? Because, I mean, you know, Arch is obviously, like, not just for Texas fans, but, like, he's the golden child of college football the last, you know, year and a half with how big of a recruit he was and how much hype there is around him and, and that family. So, It'll be interesting to see how things play out for your Longhorns. I, I do think this is – I'm not going to say it's a massive storyline, but it, it is a big storyline as far as college football with Texas being as good as they are and, you know, on the national scene, a top-10 team. So we'll see how it plays out for your Longhorns. But, Dalt, you got you got anything else you want to add on that before we nope, move on? Uh, nope, just if you're going to take a super dog, I'd take everybody that Texas plays for the next three to four weeks. <laughs> Speaking of that, I was told I was I was I was told I made a bad superdog pick last week, Dalt. By who? You you said I don't know about that last week when I took Houston plus twenty three and a half. Yeah, well, uh, the first quarter of the game, what were you thinking? I, I was thinking you were spot on right, and I was an idiot. <laughs> but hey, hey oh, it, it ended up working out. But but that's a Dalt. That's a perfect segue, actually, into our. Um, Week eight recap. Uh, like I said, kind of right off the top, neither one of us had a very good week. Both went two and four. Uh, we were different on a few games, but you know, Dalt, this was uh, what didn't really look like a great, great weekend of college football. And I, I'm not—I don't think I'm ready to say it was a great weekend, but man, you just had some really some some of the better teams in the country did not play very well. And you did have some really good games, but I mean, you, you know, a game we didn't even pick. Uh, Washington, they they have Arizona State come in one and five football team, and they don't even score an offensive touchdown. Uh, they end up winning that game fifteen to seven late night, Pac twelve after dark. Um, 
But you know, Dalt, our our first game that we're going to get into is Clemson Miami. And but you know, before we even talk about this game, Dalt, why can you tell me that there were several games that came down to two point conversions this weekend? Don't isn't it commonplace that on a two point conversion you want your best play, right? Uh, 100%. And I watched, I think it was at least three different um, games that had a two-point two conversion try at the end of the game or in overtime. And the play calling was just, I, I mean, in this game specifically, not, not to kind of jump ahead, you know, but this Clemson-Miami game, I don't know if you saw what Dabo said after the game, but they were... Uh, Klubnik was supposed to hand this ball off to to Will Shipley, and he just pulled it all he on his said, own. Just and and yeah, he Dabo just kind of threw him under the bus, ran him over. Yep, Dabo Dabo legit said there was no read; it was a straight handoff. I don't know what he was doing, and I noticed on the sidelines after the game, like after he got tackled, Dabo's like standing, walking down the sidelines, going, "Just hand it off, just hand it off." And I'm just like. Is he really like ripping his quarterback on a read? But I don't know. I mean, you can say, "Oh well, Will Shipley walked into the end zone." Yeah, well, that was after the defense realized that Clubnick had pulled it. I think the biggest part of this story is the fact that you turn the football over three times, and I'm pretty sure that you just got absolutely mollywopped at the line of scrimmage. Um, you uh, rush for 31 yards and Miami rushes for 211. There, there's a problem in uh, in Clemson right now. And Dabo Sweeney, and I know a lot of people have really hot takes on this, like, oh, you can't say that. He's having um, a little bit of a down year. He's a national championship winning uh, coach, yeah, well, so is Jimbo Fisher. Right. Dabo Sweeney literally, Dabo Sweeney literally is being so stubborn about the change in college football that his team is suffering. Yeah. And you can say, well, this and that about whatever, but Dabo Sweeney is slowly sending Clemson back into the dark ages of college football. Yeah, I mean, his his kind of refusal to use the portal, uh, he's not a big proponent of NIL, I don't think, in general. Um, and Dabo, man. Oh, he is. He, he just, he makes some comments that you, you just think, man, that I, I get you are who you are and you want to stand by what you believe in. And, and I'm all for that. I, I don't think you should change for anybody, uh, you know. Dabo's proud of the person that he is, and you know it's that's all fine. Uh, I think I think he personally, I think he gets a lot of uh, he catches a lot of flack for uh, things that have nothing to do with the kind of coach that he is. That is totally unfair to him as a person. That's neither here nor there. We're not going to get into that. But um, I, I don't disagree with you. His his kind of refusal to uh, you know it's it's the age old thing. Don't you adapt or die? Like that's life in general. And and you're not wrong. Uh, a place like Clemson, I don't care what anybody says. That's not a blue blood football program. That's new blood, 
and they can fall back into mediocrity. Like that's very possible. Like it's very realistic. It it can happen. Uh, you know, they caught lightning in a bottle the last decade and they finally were able to get over the hump uh, with, you know, Deshaun Watson and, and those guys. Um, and they were one of the best, one of the best programs in the country for the better part of the last five, six years. And I still think they're a top tier program in college football, but you are 100% right in the sense that like things are constantly changing and you have to, you have to look at your program and how you're doing things. And I mean, you look at what what you could call a disciple of Dabo Sweeney and Oklahoma's head coach, Brent Venables, you know, he didn't come to OU and say, hey, we're not using the portal. Like, they're living off the portal to a degree. I mean, oh, kind of right 100%. now because right now kind of because they have to probably more than Brent wants to. But yeah, it, it's, you know, but anyway, back to the game. Yeah, you rush for 31 yards, Dalton. Like that—that's just not going to get it done. And you have the three. You turnovers. can't tell me your best player would have got the ball in Will Shipley if you only had thirty-one yards rushing. Right. Will Shipley wasn't your best player. And and they're they're four for fourteen on fourth down or on third down, zero for one on fourth. They end up losing the game twenty-eight twenty. You know, Dalt, we we both took Clemson in this game, um, and they were up seventeen to seven at halftime, uh, I believe, or not in the third quarter. Yeah, and Miami scores ten unanswered in the in the fourth to send it into overtime. Um, but you know, Miami once Miami scored in the second overtime and made it twenty eight to twenty, I knew that our pick was uh, screwed because of how the overtime rules work. Once they uh, mm-hmm. got that two point conversion, uh, but then I I, I kind of thought Clemson's done, and you know you have that final play on the two point conversion, uh, just did not go obviously how Clemson planned. But we started off. Oh, and one doll. So if you don't have anything else to add, I will move on. Nope. So our next game in a game that I feel sorry for anybody that actually watched this football game, Iowa falls to Minnesota at home, 12 to 10. And uh, Dalt, I think, have you seen the video? The biggest story out of this game? Iowa got hosed. I uh I actually Iowa hadn't seen that host. I hadn't seen that video until right before we started to record tonight, and there is literally no way that he was calling for a fair catch. No way. His hand never even went over nope. his shoulder, let alone his head. And I mean, if you're an official, is that not what you have to look for? It's like it needs to go over, over his head to me. Like that's what you almost have to. I don't really know what they're taught. But I, I have no idea. But yeah, that that was a horrid call, and I, anybody I, that go ahead. I think the I think the rule that they look for is anything over the shoulder. Like it's got to be, like it's got to be like a like a blatant like over the shoulder look. He was waving shoulder level, like hey, like move, move, get out of the yeah, way. It was like, clear what he was doing. He was basically yelling. Yeah, he was basically yelling what everybody yells in sports during a punt return if it's a muffed kick or whatever if he gets offside his foot at you up you yell peter 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 like get away and then but kid makes a great play makes a great return and comes back and gets the axe first a bs technicality i would got screwed um good for minnesota i'm a i like pj fleck i'm not 
I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, I'm just an Iowa sympathizer because you scored 10 points. Like, you uh, talked about your offense needing to be better. Be better. Don't. This this game was, I, I didn't watch a down of it. They had 127 yards of total offense, Dalton. Iowa. 127 yards. For the game? Of total offense. For the game. Total yards, 127. You deserve to lose. Oh, 100%. You deserve to lose. So it's, it's yeah, it's hard to even sympathize. But I, I'm just going to say it. Kirk Ferentz says, at what point do they look at moving on from him? Like, I, I know his son catches all the heat because he's the offensive coordinator. But it, at what point, I, as much as he's done for that program, it's sad that you even have to have this conversation. But at what point, if you are Iowa, who that's a proud football program that has had a lot of success, put guys in the NFL at all kinds of different positions, at what point do you, like, tell him, hey, man, like, you're getting older, like, something's got to change. Like, this this product that you're putting on the field is just not, it's it's just not working. Like, we we've got you've got to either figure something out and change or we may have to go in a different direction. Is that, is that possible for a guy like Kirk Ferentz? Can you go that route if you're Iowa? He is what, uh, and I should be saying this the other way. Kirk Ferentz is kind of what Mike Gundy is to OSU. Yeah. But Gundy's Gundy's never been this bad. Gundy's never been this bad. Um, I was going to have to do something, and it may be firing the offensive coordinator, who is his son, which is going to make Thanksgiving very awkward. But here's the thing. You fire him, who are you going to hire? Like, who is going to look at that Iowa job, who is a successful offensive coordinator with a really good scheme and go, Mm, I I don't think so. Like, I, I yeah. mean, I'm telling you right now, if I was a guy at a non-power five and I was having success as an offensive coordinator, I'd stay where I was at before I went to Iowa to fail. I, I think that that job probably is for like, you know, the kind of diamond in the rough guy. They go find somebody that, you know, not really anybody's talking about and he turns out to be, you know, a great hire like, like, I know you can say all you want about, you know, a non-power five or low, even lower level power five guys, coordinators or, or what, whatever, not saying they want no part of that, but money talks and in Iowa, not that they are just loaded with money, but they, they can pay like a lot better than, than probably any non-power five. And then they can pay better than probably most or several power five programs. Realistically. I mean, that's, that's a top, I would say a top 30, top 40 program in in college football just overall i think like not not team wise this year but like just as a program like or a job destination in my opinion I, maybe you might disagree but i think it's close um but yeah iowa no it, they it's lose. definitely up there yeah so there's really not much more to say about this game doll 12 to 10 is the final uh minnesota covers uh, we we would have had a backdoor cover had this. Uh, I will say it was it was very 
I, I hate to say Iowa got screwed, but I mean, really, they they kind of did as bad as they played. Like that, it, the fair catch should not have been called. Like that's just the truth. And officiating, it, I, I don't know who decides who gets to be officials in college football, but my gosh, it is just so bad. Like, and I feel like there's like no system of checks and balances for these guys. They just make these calls, and there's no there's no penalizing uh, for a blatant missed call. And maybe there is, and I just don't know it. But that that was really bad. But Minnesota wins. They cover uh, plus three and a half. So that was a loss for us. And we will move on, Dalt, to uh, yet again, Lincoln Riley lets me down. We both took USC minus six and a half. I think we both can agree we kind of thought this was a, I don't even know if I want to say a get right game for USC. I just think going in after the bad loss to Notre Dame, Dalt, Having him at home, losing to Utah the last three times they played, it just felt like the the scenario where USC may go in there and just, you know, I, I and I I will say like I said they might have their way with Utah, but they didn't. I mean Utah just uh, Kyle Whittingham, he owns Lincoln Riley. Like at this point, he uh, he owns him. I mean you beat him with a third string quarterback that he himself referred to as a pig farmer, Dalton. And they they beat they beat uh, USC, thirty four thirty two was the final. But I mean, what, what do you make of this game, Dalt? Lincoln Riley is either going to the NFL, or he has <laughs> to fire Alex Grinch at the end of this year. That's 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 his one or two options. You're going to the NFL. And you don't care. You're going to go to the NFL. You're going to be the Bears' next head coach. You're going to draft Caleb Williams. You're going to make him a part owner. And you're just going to continue (laughs) to do what you want. Or if you want to stay at USC, like you've said, and you're in this for the long haul, you 100,000% take your defensive coordinator into an office and you tell him to pack his shit and get out. <laughs> well, okay. W- one thing I want to say: the the USC defense was bad in this game. It, it probably wasn't uh, the worst they've played all year. But man, Dalton, watching that third down play and a quarterback scramble to get into field goal range—I mean, just to get right into field goal range, Dalton. I mean, I, I know my my Sooners played pretty bad on Saturday, but you want to talk about just some major PTSD of some some football that I have watched the last five, six years, um, and, and that's what it just took me back instantly. And it's like, oh, yeah, this game's over. And and I'm going to be honest with you, Dalt, when uh, USC scored and didn't get the two-point conversion, at no point did I think Utah was not going to go get in field goal range. That I, I, I had no doubt. No doubt. Like, I'll just be honest. I, I, I just knew. Not not saying I can see the future. It's just like one of the things like, yeah, you gave them way too much time. They have, I'm pretty sure all three timeouts or at least two, I think they had. Yes. They're getting, they had had three. No doubt. I mean, they might score a touchdown. They might score too soon. I thought maybe that's too much time for Utah at at that point. But you know, uh, a lot was being made uh, after this game. Lincoln Riley did not make players available to the media. Uh, Caleb Williams caught a lot of flack for sitting on the sideline and not uh, going to the locker room or going to uh, shake hands with the Utah players. I, 
I could care less about any of that. You know, a guy's a competitor. He was, should, should you maybe be the bigger person, get up, go shake hands or go to the locker room? Sure. But, you know, I, I'm sure he's sitting over there like thinking, man, like they, they got us again. And this time, you know, it's, it's, uh, almost nine o'clock Dalt on October 23rd. Uh, the USC Trojans will not be in the playoff. Caleb Williams will have never been in the playoff in his three years of school. Um, talk about just a, a massive disappointment of a season for USC. And they are probably going to lose two, maybe three more games before it's all said and done because they still have Oregon, still have Washington, and UCLA is pretty damn good. Yeah, the uh, the schedule doesn't get any easier. But um, to say that USC season is over is a bit of a stretch because just like USC has isn't in the clear, if they somehow run the table, Utah is also not in the clear with having to play Oregon this week and then in two weeks having to go on a stretch of playing Washington, Arizona, and then Colorado. Um, you, we now know that Cam Rising is out for the year. Just play cut and dry. So USC only has one loss in the conference, as does, I believe, everyone but Washington. Yes. So it's still wide open out there. Like, there's a lot that can happen. It's not – there's no north-south anymore. So USC just has to go take care of business, but it doesn't get easier. You you get Cal this week, and then, then, then then it's hell. Then it's three weeks of buckle up. We got to go. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And, and I wasn't, I wasn't trying to insinuate that their season was over. It's just their, their playoff hopes are gone. Like they're not making the playoff, even if they run the table. I mean, there were, it would have to be, there would have to be mass chaos across all of college football, but you know, and, and there's not going to be, no, probably not, not, not enough. There, there probably will be some, but not enough for that. But yeah, Dalt, we both we both took USC minus six and a half. Uh, you, you talk about those Lincoln Riley rumors about the NFL. Uh, he actually is currently sick and missing practice, uh, which oh uh, no, oh no, as, uh, as an Oklahoma PTSD fan, Dalt, I'm just OU fans. Let, let me just tell you, USC fans, you uh, you better buckle up, buddy. Just buckle up. Welcome to the show. That's all I'm going to tell you. Uh, we'll what we'll see it? where it goes. Did it take a mental health week? Oh uh, yeah, it was during, like the bye week, during, the bye week before yeah. uh, the Baylor game, twenty twenty one. Yeah, and he and he took a mental health and went out to California, took his girl surfing. Yeah, probably signed the contract that day, if we're being honest. But hey, yeah. he never talked to USC except the the night after Bedlam. Yeah. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> we're not we're not getting off on that. Uh, moving on, Dalt. Uh, Florida State takes care of business at home against your Duke Blue Devils. Uh, in a game that, you know, it, it kind of looked like Duke, man. Like with Riley Leonard, he came out and played. Nobody, I don't think, really expected him to play. And, you know, Duke was, they were kind of controlling things to a degree early on. And then, man, late in this game, I kind of feel like Mike Elko and Duke, they kind of just laid down. And they end up getting beat 38-20. I took Florida State minus 14. You took Duke, obviously, so this was a win for me. Uh, it was 31-20, and I thought, man, Florida State, just get, get the ball one more time go score. And they did. Uh, but it, it was a tough, tough game for your Duke Blue Devils, Dalt. Give me your thoughts. 
Um, Duke started this game off better than anybody could ever expected them to. Um, Florida State's first two possessions, they stopped them on downs. I believe the second time was like inside of Florida State's own 40. Um, and then you go score. You're up to a ten nothing lead. I'm thinking there's there's Duke's not gonna Duke's not gonna give up get outscored by twenty four points the rest of the way. Like they're gonna they're gonna hang in here. And then Riley Leonard goes down, and I my immediate thought is it's over. Like <laughs> there's no fear of the pass. Um, you see it the very next play after Riley Leonard's out, as the backup quarterbacks calling signals. The safeties are literally about eight yards off the ball. And for the first, what, two and a half quarters, Duke was running it down uh, yeah. Florida State's throat. That's I what mean, I said. They were controlling th- things. They they rushed for 197 yards, and I've, I'd almost bet that 150 of that was in the first two quarters, or the first two and a half quarters. Now, yeah. once Florida State goes and takes the lead, then you're in a situation that you have to, uh, you have to start throwing it, and that's just not how Duke's built. No, especially as, without as, Riley as, Leonard. Yeah, as good as Riley Leonard is, Riley Leonard was on one leg, hobbled, and then just he, he's outmanned that. Uh, in the pass rush, his his line wasn't wasn't near capable of standing up against that Florida State front. But uh, what a what a good coming out! Just like hey, go handle business, make let everybody know you're still here for Jordan Travis and his Heisman campaign because yep. he absolutely went off, being able to use not only his arm but his legs as well. Um, he rushes, leads them in rushing, sixty two yards on a touchdown. And throws for two sixty eight and two touchdowns. Just, I mean, just he's the reason they won. Yeah, and I mean, you you, uh, you look at Florida State, Dalt. Um, is there is there an argument to be made for a team that probably has an easier path to the playoff? I mean, I know they still have Miami, but they get them at home, and then I mean they've got Florida last game of the year. Obviously, that's a big rivalry, but like Florida's. I mean, Florida's five and two, huge game uh, this weekend against Georgia. But I think we both agree they're probably going to lose that one. Um, but I just think Florida State. I think they're going to walk to twelve and zero, like personally. But yeah. Uh, again, you took Duke. I took Florida State. We're uh, let's let's move on, Dalt. That was a win for me, a loss for you. We will move on to our SEC game this week. We had Tennessee going to Bryant Denny. Uh, and you talk about a tale of two halves, Dalt, and that's what this was, was a tale of two halves. Tennessee goes in at halftime up 20-7, and um, little did they know that they uh, they woke up the Nick Saban monster at halftime, and uh, they get outscored 27-0 to in the second half. And, you know, Dalt, I didn't need Tennessee to win this game. I didn't need them to win the game. I just needed Joe Milton. To not fumble in a scoop and score. Alabama had no problem winning 27 to 20. They were perfectly content 
to winning this game 27 to 20. Tennessee would have, not that it really would have made my record that much better. Would have went three and three instead of two and four. But yeah, they ended up covering the nine and a half. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I could have got another game on you. And, and so Bama ends up covering nine and a half, Dalt. Um, and Tennessee, Tennessee's just, meh. Like, they're just, Picked them to win the East, and I hate it. I hate that I did that. I'm an idiot. <laughs> idiot. I mean, I don't know. I... <sighs> yeah, I think I think the hype for uh, Joe Milton has come to an end. Not, I'm not saying that five and two Tennessee isn't bad. Um, their two losses are to who they lose to. Alabama uh, and Florida and Florida. Florida. That's a bad loss, but terrible. I really thought they would have run the ball more than what they did in this game. Joe Milton threw it 41 times. And they only rushed it 38. That's more balanced than I thought it would be. I thought they would try to run the football more, which running the ball on Bama isn't exactly the most opportune way to score on Alabama, but Alabama did the exact, really opposite. They were opportunistic. Jalen Milrow, really, really Tommy Reese has finally just said, hey, let's quit with the intermediate and the short stuff. If he's going to throw it, we need to be throwing it long. And we're either going to get a 15-yard pass interference or he's going to connect and we're going to score. So, yeah. uh, you know, Jason McQuillan goes for a buck 15 on 27 carries. That's four yards a clip. You don't hate that. Um, but Tennessee, man, what a, when you get somebody down, you have to keep them there, well, especially a team like Alabama. Like you could have, you could have not just kept pace, like kept kicking field goals and been okay in this game, but you cannot let a team like Alabama surge back like that. Well, I mean, I, I made the comment, Dalt, I messaged the Twitter group and literally said Tennessee I I thought they had a chance in the first quarter of this game to put it away I'm not going to say they're going to put Alabama away at home in the first quarter because I don't you know maybe that happens maybe it doesn't but you know they 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 have the chance to go up you know they could have went up 21 nothing and instead it's 13 to nothing they kick the two field goals on those other two drives and, and I mean that's fine, but I just thought, man, it just—it's not a great look when you you put up twenty points in the first half and then you come out and you don't pee a drop and you give up twenty-seven. I mean, it, it just doesn't make any sense. It's a great, great job by Nick Saban and Alabama. Uh, uh, my buddy that I gave a shout out last week, he he uh, gave me a hard time uh, this past week once he listened to the pod, and then he he made sure and sent me a video smoking a cigar on his back porch after this game because you know that's what that's what the winner of this game always does. So I know I know he was enjoying that, but man, I just I just needed twenty to twenty seven, Dalt. That's all I needed. I didn't even care who won. Alabama winning, that's fine. Whatever, we'll move on. This was a win for you, loss for me. Uh, game of the week, Dalt. We had Ohio State hosting the fraudulent Penn State Nittany Lions. Yeah, I said it. So be it. James Franklin's terrible. Uh, 
say what they want about the great defense. And I, I heard people talking about it all weekend and uh, and today on podcasts that I listened to of how these are two just insanely good defenses just going at it. And whatever, man, I, uh, whatever. Like Penn State, how are you that bad offensively? I mean, at one point, it's like they can't even complete a forward. Like is Ohio State the 85 Bears? Is that what we're talking about? Uh, I guess so. I, I guess so. But anyway, final score in this game ends up being 20 to 12, Ohio State. Just was a pretty much a snooze fest, if we're being honest. We talked about that while the game was going on. Uh, you know, I was kind of keeping an eye on this one while Oklahoma was playing because they were playing at the same time. But, you know, I, I just don't think either team, like Ohio State definitely looked like the better team. And obviously they moved to 7 and 0. And Her- Marvin Harrison, or as his new nickname, uh, now Maserati Marv, uh, thanks to Gus Johnson. We really appreciate that. Um, he's unbelievable. And honestly, Dalt, that might have just been the difference in this game right there. Is Ohio State had Marvin Harrison Jr., oh. Penn State didn't. Uh, 100%. I mean, Marvin Harrison Jr., there's not a guy on Penn State's team that can lock him up for four quarters. I know they had a they have a guy that they think's a first round talent over there, but you can't you can't hold him down for four quarters and it showed. I mean, I'm pretty sure he owns real estate in Happy Valley because uh, 11 catches, 162 yards, and a touchdown. That is, I believe, almost well, not quite almost. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's more than half of Kyle McCord's passing yards went to Marvin Harrison Jr. So, say what you want. You can double cover him all you want. They didn't have they didn't have the uh, Ibuka kid, so I probably would have went to a press coverage inside Jade with a guy over the top the rest of the game. But just another James Franklin top Flop. 25 loss. Yeah. I, I listened to the late kick on Josh Pate, and I believe, they said he is like three and nineteen, or three and sixteen, one or the other, in top twenty-five games it's as a head good. coach. It's not good. No, I, I think I think James Franklin is a great talker. I think he's a pretty good recruiter, but as far as managing and coaching a game, I just I just don't know that he's the guy that's going to get Penn State where they want to be. Uh, but Dalt, that rounds out our picks. We both go two and four. You improved to 25 and 23 overall. I'm 22 and 26. Uh, real quick, our super dogs, mine did hit. Uh, I took Houston plus 23 and a half. And did yours? No, hit? no, mine got blown out. Oh, yeah. Yeah. UCLA Stanford. absolutely Stanford. hammered Stanford. Hammered Stanford. 42 to 7. So you, you missed on your super dog as well. But, uh, Dalt, with that, we'll get into our week nine kind of preview and give our picks and uh we'll just get right into it first game the 19th ranked air force falcons taking on the colorado state rams uh and i think the only game that anybody has probably watched of colorado state this year was the colorado game i think colorado state's i think that's a decent team but you know air force comes in here dalt as a 12 point road favorite what are your thoughts on this game? This game's tricky. Um, it is um, 
it's it's an Air Force team that has shown spurts of being a really kind of great offense, and then you get a game against Navy where you just only put up seventeen. Um, you go to Fort Collins. No, it's not a tough place to play. Weather's going to be cold, so I think it's going to be a pretty low-scoring game. And I like Air Force. I I think that what they do is really good. I mean, they're really good on defense, and they just absolutely run the snot out of the football. I'm going to take Colorado State plus 12. I think that that 12 number might be a little too much for them. I think that uh, I think 10 would be about where I'd put this game. I don't hate that, but mm, man, I think I'm gonna take Air Force, Dalt. I uh, not that I not that I think Air Force is that good, but I, I think they play pretty good defense, um, and I think they run the heck out of the ball, and uh, you know Colorado State's defense allowing over 450 yards a game. Um, I, I think Air Force may get up by a couple scores, maybe two touchdowns, and it may stay at that. I think they're going to control time of possession as much as they run the football. Um, so I, I, I like Air Force here in our first game of this week. Uh, give me give me the Falcons minus 12, and uh, we will we'll keep the ball rolling here if I can pull this up. Our next game, Dalt, we're heading back to the SEC. Uh, the still... 21st ranked Tennessee Volunteers heading on the road up to Lexington, Kentucky for an SEC East matchup against the Wildcats. Um, Six o'clock in Kentucky. Tennessee comes in as a four-point road favorite Dalt in a, uh, you know, a game that this game was played last year in Tennessee just beat Kentucky's brains in, uh, in Knoxville. So I, I have to imagine, you know, Kentucky has kind of fallen off a little bit since, uh, um, Georgia, I guess, since that Georgia game. Yes. You know, they got beat by Missouri and Georgia. The last two weekends. Yeah. And so, um, who, who do you like here? Who do you like? Um, I like Tennessee in this. Um, Kentucky's last game against Missouri. Missouri is not a great, uh, Missouri's not just a great offense, and you give up what I'm trying to find it. You give up quite a bit. You get beat pretty handedly by 30, a Missouri 28, team. 21. Yeah, 38-21 to a Missouri team that, I mean, could finish second in the SEC East, but you're sitting at 6-0. and ranked in the top 15, and then you come out and play like that. I know you get the bye week to kind of get right, but this is going to be a real test for you because uh, Tennessee is going to run the football at you. And if you're a Kentucky fan, that might be a little worrisome for you. I know you're giving up less than 100 yards a game, but this is going to be a little bit different style of running at you. And yeah. Devin Leary has not been a guy that has taken very good care of the football. And in seven games, he has seven interceptions. And that's just not what we expected to come out from Devin Leary in the right. preseason. 
I'm gonna I'm gonna take Tennessee minus three and a half. Or minus well, four, I'm sorry. Yeah, we're we're picking it at four. It looks like it has moved to three and a half, but uh we we go off the notes when we make them. So I, I'm gonna take Kentucky here, Dalt. I think they've lost two in a row. They're coming off a bye. Uh, they got them at home. I, I think it's a game that, you know, we talked about last week with USC-Utah, kind of a, a game that, you know, Kentucky really wants to win. It, it kind of is, you know, a, an SEC East rivalry to a degree. And, uh, um, you know, I, I just think I think Kentucky, I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm torn on this game, really, like, because I, I, I picked Tennessee. I, I, I just think Kentucky covers plus four. Tennessee may win by three. I hope they do. And, and I'll that'll be fine with me. That, that'll be fine with me. That, that works. So g- give me the Wildcats uh, plus four, and uh, we will move on to our next game, Dalt. We're heading to the Big 12. Uh, probably the biggest matchup of the weekend in the Big 12, I would say, maybe second biggest. But uh, we've got my number six ranked Oklahoma Sooners heading on the road up to Lawrence, Kansas, to take on the Jayhawks. This game's at 11 a.m., Dalt. And uh, right now Oklahoma comes in as a nine-and-a-half-point favorite on the road. Um, I think we both agree that whether or not Jalen Daniels play probably, plays probably has quite a bit to do with this game. I haven't seen a lot on that, but you know, give give me your thoughts on this one, Dalt. What do you what do you think? Uh, the reports coming out over the weekend were, as long as he doesn't have a setback, he's playing. Well, here's the thing: he was supposed to play against Texas. <laughs> he woke up and slipped. I guess tweaked his back in pregame i don't know but he didn't Shower play was too and cold texas absolutely yeah texas absolutely molly kansas at home i think that it's i don't think that ou's defense is just so good that they completely shut him down if Jalen daniels plays i understand he's a difference maker but i think oklahoma's defense is good enough to get more stops than this Kansas defense is. Now, with that being said, Oklahoma's offense outside of the Texas game has had games where they looked lost. Like, they look great for one drive, and then they disappear for four. I don't think you're going to get that, especially after last week's game. I'm going to take Oklahoma minus nine and a half. Does that hurt a little bit? No, it doesn't hurt. I I need to get right. And I mean, uh, as don't get me wrong, if I'm wrong about it and Kansas wins, <laughs> I know there's a guy on Twitter that's going to get some hell. <laughs> one, uh, one, uh, Boomer Beamer has anytime there's a, a South wind turned into a North wind decides to throw a Kansas beat Texas in 16 and 21 on his timeline. I, I think it like lives there. I'm not, I'm not sure, but if, uh, yeah. just, just know. He he don't, don't he let does this one he slip does away from you. to death. Yeah, uh, I'm also going to take my Sooners minus nine and a half. Um, I I agree with you. As as bad as they looked, really offensively against UCF, I I think Kansas's defense is vulnerable vulnerable enough that they they may come out here and uh, that I think they're going to be able to score some points. Uh, I I do have concerns on you know defensively. I, I think OU's defense is fine. It's it's good, much improved, obviously. Uh, but but I, I kind of agree with you almost exactly. Like I, I think OU's going to get stops where they need them. I think they may be able to turn them over. That's something that OU's done really well this year so far. Um, I think yesterday or this last week's game was the first game that they 
he didn't win the turnover battle. I, I'm pretty sure. Um, so, you know, we'll see. But I, I like my Sooners uh, minus nine and a half. I, I think they kind of get back on the right side of things offensively against Kansas. But, you know, we'll see. It's going to be uh going to be a nice environment up there in Lawrence. I'm sure they'll they'll have it filled up. So we will move on. Dalt. At the booth. We know we know yes. the, we know the name of the stadium now. The yeah, booth. The, the, la- the the last time Oklahoma played up there, they uh, at, I believe like halftime they announced it on campus that uh, you can get in for free. Just sh- come come to the game because we may beat Oklahoma. And that was obviously yeah. the game where Caleb Williams. That's pulled, the one where Caleb pulled Williams. his heroics. Yeah. <laughs> but, stripped, 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 stripped his own, his own player. Get yeah. the first down on fourth and short. Yeah, that crazy. was a Jason Hope. Bean led team, wasn't it? It was. Yeah, it was. Well, we're not going to talk about it. it oh, uh, oh, scary, <laughs> scary times. No, no. Uh, does it hurt your feelings a little bit that uh, Gus and Joel and uh, oh, what's her you name? Know, no, the most beautiful woman not. in the world. No, absolutely my wife, not. Uh, they're, that they're packing up and going to uh, uh, Oregon and Utah instead of no. being in kickoff. Everybody loves oh. Gus Johnson, doll. Everybody loves Gus Johnson. And I, don't, I, I don't love Gus Johnson. I love Joel Klatt. I, I enjoy Klatt, but man, John, Gus Johnson's a little much for me. So it, it does not hurt my feelings at all that, that we're, not, we're not getting the A team. That, that's fine. As long as it's not Tim Brando. Hope, pray to God that it's oh, not. Oh, he's... <laughs> God, he's terrible. <laughs> no, he'll probably but, he'll probably he'll probably he'll probably do the ABC game at two thirty. God, he loves Texas. Yeah, I'm pretty so, sure he was up in the booth with a Houston shirt on Saturday. Yeah, yeah. So we'll we'll move on, Dalt. We both take OU nine minus nine and a half, uh, and this takes us to our next game. It is the uh, world's largest cocktail party, Dalt. The number one ranked Georgia Bulldogs are heading down to Jacksonville to take on the Florida Gators. Florida technically the home team in this neutral site rivalry game, uh, but this one's the 230 game on CBS for the SEC. And Georgia comes in as a 14.5-point favorite, Dalton, and I, I'm thinking that they could be 28.5-point favorites, and I'm taking the Bulldogs. So uh, I don't really have a lot more to say. I'll let you say your piece, but I'm taking Georgia minus 14.5. Um, it's... It's interesting because your leading receiver for Georgia is not playing in Brock Bowers. He's out for a handful don't more care. weeks. I don't think it matters. Um, this is a Georgia team that kind of woke up the last time they kind of were in this primetime spot. I know the game against Vandy was a little bit of a letdown. Uh, but give me Georgia minus 14 and a half as well. I I think they could run away with this game if Florida can somehow find a way to improve on their 300-yard defense and improve their offense with Graham Mertz. They could, but I don't see that happening. Not against Georgia. Georgia's not a team you just figure that out. Right. Yeah. I mean, I said my piece. I think Georgia, I think they absolutely hammer Florida. So give me the... Give me the Bulldogs minus 14 and a half, and we will move on. Uh, this is our first of only two, I think, total top 25 matchups, Dalt, but we've got the eighth-ranked Oregon Ducks heading on the road to uh, um, Salt Lake City to take on the 14th-ranked Utah Utes coming off that victory over USC. And Dalt, Oregon comes in as a seven-point road favorite. And, man, uh, as much as 
as much as I love Utah, uh, and I enjoy watching Utah, not just because they beat USC, but I, I just Kyle Whittingham and everything that he's about. I've said it before. I, I'm a I'm a fan. If if I had to have a second favorite team, it might be Utah. But um, man, I just don't with without Cam Rising, even with Cam Rising, maybe I'm just I'm not sure they can hang with Oregon. What do you think, Dalton? Ah, man, this Utah team at home, it's a different animal. But this isn't just your mom-and-pop Oregon defense. This is a pretty advantageous defense. They're really good at rushing the passer. They're pretty sticky in coverage. I know uh, Utah wants to run the football and control the clock, but at some point you're going to score points. I know this Oregon offense isn't – I know I'd say it is. I'd say this Oregon offense is more prolific than the USC offense right now. And the defense is probably twice as good. So the seven the seven scares me. I, I'm going to take Oregon at minus seven, but it scares me a lot. I mean, that's that's a big number for Utah at home. Yeah. No, I, I don't disagree. It, it does help that they, they get them at home. But, you know, at least it's not a night game for Oregon to go in there because, I mean, that is a tough place to play. Um, but, yeah, I – I just think Oregon's going to be too much, and especially without, you know, Utah was able to score against USC, but, you know, anybody can score against USC. Um, so that's not really saying a whole lot. But I I just, I think Oregon's just too much. I think they're more talented. I just think, I, I'm not going to say they're better coached, but they, they are very well coached. And Bo Nix, I think he's going to kind of re-enter himself back into the Heisman discussion maybe this week. Uh, with with a big game against Utah. And so I, I like the Ducks as well, minus seven, Dalt. And so with that, we will move into our game of the week, Dalt. And it is the it is the boys who know ball bowl. The Duke Blue Devils are going on the road to take on my your Duke Blue your twentieth ranked Duke Blue Devils, Dalt. Let me let me give you your respect. Are heading on the road to take on my 18th ranked Louisville Cardinals in a pretty big ACC matchup this weekend. Um, as far as that race is concerned, and this game's also at 2:30. But Louisville Dalt comes in as a four-point favorite, and I just I just think I know I think I know who you're taking. But you know, I'll let you say your piece. Um, you're not keeping Riley Leonard out of this game. The dude was basically hobbled. They might as well just put like a boot on him and told him like, hey, go back out there and play because against Florida State, he hurt his ankle. He was in obvious pain. And like 30 seconds later, it's like he went and got a a Zen pouch and threw it in his lip. And he's running (laughs) up and down the sideline jumping around on it. like he's standing next to Mike Elko like one leg hopping like look it's good send me back in and Mike Elko's like look one loss isn't going to kill us we're not going to ruin our season getting you hurt like go sit down um Riley Leonard's playing and Louisville looked absolutely atrocious the last time they stepped on the field I mean you get beat by 17 by Pitt by it, it's not good. huge, le- huge letdown spot after the Notre Dame game. I think they bounced back, but 
I'm I'm gonna take Duke. I mean, plus four. I mean, I I had a Duke shirt. I'd wear it right now because that's that's how that's how confident I am. But give me Duke plus four. I think that they could. I mean, I think they could win outright easily. Yeah, man. Give me give me Louisville. I, I'm taking my Cardinals. I think they win this game, maybe by a touchdown. Uh, kind of a Louisville's kind of a sneaky good defense. Dalt just barely giving up. 300 over three which duke is as well uh these same teams are actually very similar just louisville outgains duke by almost 100 yards a game um now i will agree that loss to pittsburgh is totally inexplainable um it's inexcusable should not have happened but it was a very big letdown spot after what was a massive win against notre dame but man i i like my louisville cardinals here i think they win this game and i think they they uh firmly i mean they, they won't be in sole sole possession of second place you know depending on what else happens with north carolina but i think they take a big step in potentially making uh the acc championship game with with a victory over your duke blue devils so give me the cardinals minus four and mark it down baby because it, it's that's that's what's happening don't i hate to break it to you but anyway quick you got anything else on that game Anything else you need to get off your chest? Nope. Nope. Go Duke. Go Duke. <laughs> okay. Recap our picks real quick, and then we'll get into our super dogs, our bold predictions, and uh, least our, our least uh, surprising picks of the week. Uh, but I'm taking Air Force minus 12. Dalt, you like Colorado State plus 12. I cannot talk. Colorado. 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 Is it? I don't know how to say it. Uh, Colorado State you plus 12. You Ted it. Yeah, whatever. Uh, Kentucky plus four for me. You like Tennessee minus four. We both like Oklahoma minus nine and a half. We both like Georgia minus 14 and a half. We both like Oregon minus seven. And then I like Louisville minus four. You like Duke plus four. Dalt, if you have a super dog for week nine, go ahead and do your worst. And I, I, and I almost just have a feeling your super dog's <laughs> the same as mine, but I'm not changing it if it is. Um, no, I'm not taking BYU as my super dog. Uh, that actually was not mine. It would be a good pick to pick. Really? No. Um, I'm going to take the, oh, I just had it, the Rice Owls against oh, Tulane at plus 11. Or no, no, no. Plus, yeah, plus 11 and a half. Plus 11 and a half. All right. I will give you the Rice Owls plus 11 and a half. I, I don't dislike that pick. Rice is a... Rice is a kind of sneaky good team out there, uh, or down there in Texas. Not bad. Um, hey, it's Dalt, a good. It's a good week one win so far. If they can beat Tulane, it'd be even better. I, I saw a uh, a very sad West Virginia Mountaineer fan that had uh, pulled up JT Daniels' stats for this season, and basically he's he's already thrown for more yards through six or seven, eight games hey. than he did all year last year at West Virginia. He's, so they were. Of course, on the Neil, fire hey, Neil Brown. He's balling. Train. He's thrown for. Yeah, they're uh, they're he's thrown for twenty one hundred yards and seventeen touchdowns. He does have the five interceptions, but this is a uh, this is a Bryce offense that's averaging four hundred yards a game. So I mean, there's some hope there. Getting a little bit of a shootout with Tulane. Yeah. Okay. Um, my super dog Dalt. You might be shocked by this pick, but I'm going to take the 
Deion Sanders led Colorado Buffaloes at plus 17 against the UCLA Bruins. Now, I do think UCLA wins this game. I think UCLA is actually pretty good, a pretty good football team. But, man, I I just think that high-flying offense, Colorado, I I think – I don't think UCLA is that good. Like, I I do think they're very good, but not quite that good. And I think think Colorado – not going to be a tough place to play going to UCLA even at night. Nobody's going to be there. So uh, I think Sugar Sanders may may have some success. And I, I like the Buffaloes plus 17. So I guess with that, Dalt. Um, hey, I, got, you... I, I like that. I know your neighbor, Josh Duke's going to love that pick. Uh, yeah, he's he finally will. getting on board with the with the with the prime train. But uh, no, it's, it's a it's a good pick. Do you have a bold prediction, Dalton? I do. In oh, yeah. a major, major look-ahead spot, I have... Please don't be the Nope, it's not mind. a look-ahead. Never, never, never mind, I can't take them. I can't take them. That was going to be a great one, but I can't take them. I have to do it next week. Um... I think that bold prediction, Indiana beats Penn State. Ooh, okay. It's not going to happen. I was I was going to go with Vandy over Ole Miss because I thought they played Georgia next week, but they don't. So well, I'm going to go not, Indiana over Penn State. You are not going to like my pick because That'll my be bold you prediction. Texas. Nope, 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 nope. I'm not on the Texas hate train, Dalt. Come on now. Give me a little respect here. I just I figure I figure with a hurt quarterback everybody would be there. The Arizona Wildcats are going to beat Oregon State this weekend, Dalton. It's going to happen. Mark it down. That's hey, I mean that's prediction. not too out of the realm. That's not too bold. I mean, that's three and a half point favorites. Yeah, but I mean okay, it's maybe not a crazy bold prediction but i mean arizona's four and three oregon state's six and one and the 11th ranked team in the country they're not beating like, my beavers not not beat not beating my beavers i i took that one because i knew you'd like it so uh i will actually go ahead and continue here with my least surprising uh in a game that it's going to probably be over before just because of how their game went last week and who they're playing uh dalt i think that um i, I it's a bad week to be a stanford cardinal that's all I'm going to say, because uh, Washington is going to go. Uh, Washington's going to go down to Stanford, and uh, they're going to kick the living you know what out of the Stanford Cardinal, and Michael Penix is going to just get right back up towards the top of that uh, Heisman race. Uh, that's my. And if you want to take the same thing, we you, you can, doll. I won't judge you for it. But that that's my no, least surprising. No, I, I had I had a I had a two B, or uh, okay. a two B. Um, North Carolina absolutely bludgeons Georgia Tech this weekend. Okay. Okay. After yeah, that loss that, to Virginia, hey, they just uh, bludgeon. North, crazy stat I heard today: North Carolina or Georgia Tech has taken three straight from North Carolina last last three games. It's kind of crazy. Um, and a lot of people kind of thought that North Carolina got in a look ahead spot, uh, getting ready for that game because they've lost three times in a row to Georgia Tech, and they got. Can can we talk about that just before we get out of here, Dalton? North Carolina gets in the top ten and gets beat by Virginia. 
by winless Virginia, or maybe they were one and five. That's bad, man. I, I, I that's that's tough. You know what else is worse? That's, though, that's you know what's tough. worse? And and this is where we're going to leave, and we're going to get out of here. But this is what's worse. Um, there, uh, there was uh, one more um, trivia question involving Adolf Hitler than oh, points scored gosh. for Michigan State this week oh, uh, what against are, Michigan. What are they doing? <laughs> like your coach is on the hook for talking dirty to a woman's activist, woman rights activist. And then you think it's just a good idea to slap an Adolf Hitler trivia trivia question on a mega scoreboard video board in the middle of a game that you're getting bludgeoned. Like, like you I might said, as well one, just fought him in the tunnel again. One more Adolf Hitler uh, trivia question than than points scored for the the Michigan State Spartans. Um, yeah, I just Who's thought I take that job. A lot of people think it's going to be Leipold. Kansas, he's he's a Wisconsin guy, so he's you know up around that area. I I think that that makes the most sense, but we'll see. I, th- I think he's got a good thing going at Kansas right now. Got the stadium renovations coming, uh, but I mean Michigan State's a way better job than Kansas. I don't think anybody's going to argue that. No, but don't. But damn, uh, I don't even go up there and be anybody's punching bag like that. No, that's true. That's very true. But uh, don't with that. If uh, if you don't have anything else to add. Um, then I guess uh, we we have a you know this is probably the worst uh, week of college football that we've had over the last four or five as far as just matchups go. But I, I'm sure in saying that it'll probably deliver. But uh, you know, got a big weekend of college football. Every weekend's a big weekend in college football. That's what makes the sport so great. Uh, we're looking forward to it. And uh, if you don't have anything else, Dalt, then I guess uh, we will be back here in a week to record again. And I guess we're out. Yeah, don't forget to cover the flats. If you enjoyed this episode of the Cover 2 Podcast, please leave us a rating or write us a review. Tell your friends about the podcast and help us grow the show. You can find episodes on Apple, iHeart, Spotify, and YouTube. Just search the Cover 2 Podcast and you'll find us. If you want to contact us or be a guest on the show, we're on Facebook, X, Instagram, and TikTok as the Cover 2 Podcast. You can also email us at cover2podcast2021 at gmail.com. We appreciate all of you for listening and supporting our show.